0: From the headquarters of the Guild of Champions, this is the Chris Terrell Podcast. And I am your host, Chris Terrell. And welcome to another week of your weight loss quest. How did this last week go for you? What hard thing did you run into? What challenge did life throw at you? How did you slip, fall down, make a mistake, and then learn a lesson from it? Because that is the most important part, right? When you make a mistake, it's getting your lesson. Now, if you're new here, I've lost 125 pounds myself. After an entire adulthood of chronic yo-yo dieting up, down, up, down again before I finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired and I made some permanent, meaningful, and lasting changes to my actual lifestyle, my actual habits, and my actual routines that I had before I started losing weight, I started changing that shit and I started getting different results and I have been keeping the weight off and now I am here every week going on a couple of years of doing this now every week to help you get to the end of your weight loss quest. I don't know how long it's going to take and you don't either. Thankfully, knowing how long it's going to take is not a requisite for moving forward and being successful. The only thing required is that you get up and commit to going forward one more day. Today, You truly do got to take this journey one day at a time. I know you want to just make one single commitment that'll carry you through until the end of the journey, but come on, that's not how this works. And you know that, you know, that's not how it is. I know you may not want it to be that way, but you know, well, and good that you are probably going to have to recommit to your dreams a hundred times between now and when you get there. And then when you get there, let me tell you, you got to recommit to keeping it. I have been on the maintenance side. I am speaking from experience. This is not theory. I have kept my weight off to a five-pound window. I have not yo-yo dieted after I lost the weight. I have kept it off. It has required effort. It has required a plan. And it has required me recommitting to myself all the time. I don't make the commitment every day, but I make it a lot of days. I don't know that I've gone a week without having to recommit to myself because I have to remind myself that if I neglect and ignore my body, I know what happens because I had done that before. When I neglect and ignore my body for a long period of time, I become fat and out of shape and very unhealthy and that that also spills into my mind and my mind is not healthy. I know that I must take care of myself. I must take care of my body in addition to my mind. I love how we're making all mental health a whole big thing. We got to take care of our mental health. That's all well and good, but you also got to take care of your body. Because last I checked, if you don't have a body, you don't have mental health because you aren't here. You've got to take care of your body. It's nobody else's job but yours. Seriously. It's not your doctor's job to take care of your body. It's your doctor's job to help you take care of it. It's not your therapist's job to take care of your mind. It's your therapist's job to help you take care of your mind. It's not my job to take care of your weight. It's your job to take care of your weight. It's my job to help you do it. It's always been your job. And it always will be your job. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that before. I had to come to that realization. And then once I came to the realization, I had to accept it, that that's just the truth. Now, before I continue on with this week's episode, I need to make a special invitation, something that I have definitely done a lot. I want to invite you to join my free Facebook group. If you are not part of my Objectively Best Weight Loss Facebook group, actually, it's not even remotely objective because I'm the one that made it. Come on, just to be real, I am biased. So tell you what, what I want you to do is don't take my word for it. I want you just to come take a look and see. I want you just to come on over to the Facebook group and take a look for yourself and see if this is for you. You can find a link to that by going to ChrisTarrowCoaching.com. I'll have a link to it on that page or You can go to the show notes in your podcast. Now, to those of you, my Spotify listeners, yes, you, the actual Spotify listener right now. If you pull out your phone, there is a spot there on the Spotify screen where you can leave a comment back on the podcast episode. I read those every Friday when I get ready to publish. I actually already read for the last week's. I got like 10 of them. It was great reading them. Thank you so much for sending me those messages. Your feedback really does help. And you can do it on any episode, it, it doesn't just have to be the most recent. I believe Spotify has added it to every episode. I would love to hear from you. Okay. This week, we are taking more listener questions. So I have three questions that I have there that, that have been written, and I'm going to go ahead and answer them. This first one comes from Jillian Bland. This was on the Why is the Way Facebook group from the workshop that we did. We weren't able to answer it, and I want to be able to answer these questions, and I'm going to use the podcast to do that. So here's Jillian's question. How do you keep going when all you've done in the past is self-sabotage? And sometimes it's not even intentional. But the intense feeling of me needing to eat lasts for weeks on end, and at times and I, give, and I give up every single time and derail all of my progress. And I don't know how to stop. All right, Jillian. So I'm going to give you a little bit of, uh, right away, actually, I can just tell from your question, I need to give you a little bit of coaching. So I'm going to give you a little, little coaching here, but also I want to answer your question and talk about it from a conceptual standpoint. So first, the coaching. Your question here is riddled with disempowering content. When you say things like, I don't know how to stop, I don't get the feeling you're saying it from a, I'm ready to learn and I believe the answer's there. This sounds more like someone who is, this is just how I am. And how do I not be how I am? It's such a big, broad question. You're going to have to focus that up a lot more. If you make a self-help question too big, the question itself is overwhelming because it's You can only answer it with a massive amount of information, which makes it feel overwhelming. Like, anyone can learn calculus. Seriously, a baby can learn calculus. The baby just might need to take 12 years to get it done, though. Right? Like, some answers just take a long time to explain. A baby doesn't know what a number is. A baby then doesn't know how to add or subtract or divide. A baby doesn't know how to do formulas. You have to teach baby just these fundamental things before you can even start getting to the complicated stuff. And this is how it works when you're asking questions like this is make sure your question is of the helpful variety and you've got to narrow that focus up so that the answer that it returns isn't an overwhelming answer. You've asked a gargantuan question. How do I just stop all self-sabotage? The reality is, it's not one reason. You're not self-sabotaging because of one thing. It's going to be many things. Sometimes it's going to be situational. Sometimes you'll actually know you're doing it. You'll actually, in the moment, know exactly why you're doing it, and you know you do. And there's going to be times you're self-sabotaging you don't know why. And then there's going to be sometimes if you have enough self-awareness, you'll catch yourself, know why, and then change the story on yourself. Because that's what we do. We, we will alter the story in our mind or change our point of focus. But we're not often aware of our thoughts. We're not aware of what's going on. We're not checking in and listening. And so our brain is just chewing away and making decisions. Let me, let me give you something from my own personal life. I, I, I've had a history in the past of sabotaging relationships. And part of that comes down to is once a relationship seemed too good, like it was good, I would start to self-sabotage. And the reason why is because I was so afraid of being rejected. And I've later learned through a lot of self-analysis that the reason why I would do that is, is I would rather be the one doing the breaking up than the one getting broken up with. And once it started meaning something and it started counting and I'd started getting in my own head, started thinking maybe I'm not good enough. They're going to see where I'm just all this terrible person. They're going to see I don't have everything figured out. They're going to say I'm not this perfect person because, you know, I was putting up a fake false front not my best front, not my most authentic front, big mistake in the past I learned. But as I was, as I realized, my fear of that success would trigger me to self-sabotage because honestly, I was worried I wouldn't be successful and I didn't want to endure that sting. But you see, in the moment, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that at all. All those thoughts were definitely there, but I wasn't self-aware. I wasn't listening to what I was thinking. I was just listening to whatever I was thinking in the moment and just assuming that's what I had always been thinking. But I wasn't hanging on to what I thought in the past because I never wrote anything down. Because the brain is terrible at hanging on to stuff. It's terrible. And these thoughts that we have, we will literally forget the reasons why we made a decision to do something. And so if you self-sabotage, make no mistake about it, you chose it. Like you willfully chose to do it. But you also probably willfully forgot why. just totally don't remember why. And I used to do this all the time. I would just make a choice, forget all the reasons why I made it, uh, save maybe a handful or two, and if I had to recall it, I might try to reverse engineer my logic for why I tried it. And sometimes the reverse engineering don't make any sense. And so I'll just do something like, I just don't know why I do it. And that is the truth. I just don't know why. But that doesn't mean the answer didn't exist, and that doesn't mean I can't find the answer out in the future. I've just got to start listening to what my mind is thinking. So let's talk about your specific question, though, as it relates to self-sabotage with weight loss. The intense feeling of needing to eat lasts for weeks on end, and at times—or on end at—oh, here, sorry, there's an enter here. Let me read that, read that again— But the intense feeling of me needing to eat lasts for weeks on end at a time, and I give in every single time. All right. You don't give in every single time. You just don't remember the times you didn't. Um, I guarantee you, you have not done it sometimes. But if all you're focusing on is the times that you fail, and if all you work to make sure you remember is your failures, all you will remember is your failures. Therefore, you might think all you've ever done is fail. Many of us go to great lengths to make sure we don't forget a failure. And we don't go to near as much lengths to make sure we remember our successes. Our failures tend to not really reduce in impact as quickly over time as our successes do. A success can bring a lot of impact, but it seems to like have a very, a, a very short shelf life. It really seems to not provide a lot of help for a while. So that's the first thing. Start calling out your wins. I mean, I'm serious. You got to start calling out your wins to yourself, teeny tiny wins each and every single day. You got to make a habit of finding your success points. The other thing, though, is to understand what self sabotage is self sabotage is you protecting yourself from something, it doesn't have to make a lot of logical sense consciously but I assure you it makes sense somehow. If you are self-sabotaging, you are doing it for a reason. And I think you know that, but that reason is protection. You're protecting yourself from something. Fear of failure is a common thing that a lot of people are running into. Sometimes it is also protecting oneself from an identity shift. Weight loss, make no mistake about it, will require an identity shift. You're going to shift your identity. You will become a different person. The ego don't much like it when we do that on purpose real fast. The ego is not a fan of you replacing it with a new ego. And yes, you have an ego, a very big ego, in fact. You might think, well, Chris, I don't have an ego. You have an ego about not having an ego, Ego is just your identity. It's who you are. It's who you think you are. It's the sort of person I am, all right? You, It is your personality. It's you. It's your mind's understanding of who you are. And when you start acting in defiance of your ego all the time, it kind of rebels. And it's crazy that the mind does this, but the mind doesn't want to change too fast. It will resist you. Now, you can encourage it to go quicker, but it has to be an encouraged thing. The mind has to be willfully choosing to do what it does. It can change fast. It just doesn't want to. But if you can convince it to want to, you can change rapidly. And self-sabotage is often a signal that you're doing something. Sometimes it's you're changing too much too quick. That could be what self-sabotage is sometimes. Sometimes self-sabotage is a signal that you're afraid of being successful. You actually doubt your ability to lose the weight and keep it off. And so you would rather fail on your own terms than lose the weight, get emotionally connected to having the weight off, and then have the rug yanked out from underneath you and gain it back because some of you are like me and you have felt that and it hurts and you're afraid of feeling that again. And so you self-sabotage to control the terms this pain of the self-sabotage is much more manageable than the pain of getting to the end and having the rug yanked out from underneath me. Sometimes that's the answer. That's what. So when you're asking this question of how do I stop self-sabotage, you would be better served by finding a specific case of self-sabotage and seeking to deeply understand that one single case and then go do that again and then go do that again and then go do that again. And then go do that again. Once you have analyzed 100 cases of self-sabotage, you will have amassed a tremendous amount of information about how you and why you self-sabotage, and you could then design an effective solution to that. You might even discover the solution on the way. But how are you going to do that? You have to get the reps in. So how do you study a specific case of self-sabotage? You have to self-sabotage. That's the unfortunate part of this. Is there's no way to learn it except by going through it and being aware while you do it. That's it. You have to create opportunities where you might self-sabotage. And when you do self-sabotage, psychoanalyze yourself. Write some shit down. Ask yourself some hard questions and answer them. Literally intercept your thoughts as you're going. That is why you got to do it. Excellent question, Jillian. Thank you so much for asking that. Let's move to our next question from Elizabeth. It's B-A-H-T. Is that bot? I'm not entirely... I'm I'm getting a lot of people from all over the world in the communities. I'm going to have to start learning how to say different cultures' last names, which is super cool. And I really do want to say them correctly. My last name's Terrell. A lot of people say Terrell. Some of you right now are going to be like, shit, I've been saying his name wrong the whole time. I don't feel bad about it. People say it wrong all the time. Um, But I, I really want to get your name right, so I apologize if I got that incorrect. All right, your question was, Elizabeth, how do I make this be the last time? Now, immediately after this, you wrote something, which I thought was good. I need to make small changes, and I need to stick to them to make it work for me. You're close. I want to take what you said, and I want to expand it and talk on it some more. So let's look at the question. How do I make this weight loss journey be the last time out uh, of the weight loss journey part? You do it by making sure you do a few things. First, you need to make it enjoyable. So if at any point it's feeling too miserable, make it easier. You should be riding the edge of misery. Like you should never be miserable, but misery should be like you're like, if I push just a little bit more, I might start feeling the just the inkling signs of misery. Right? I want you to just right there on that line. You should be just pushing. Because if you push too fast, you'll push into the misery zone. And if you push into the misery zone, you'll quit eventually. Because it's, you know, miserable in the misery zone. And if you hang back too far, you're just going to progress really slow. It's okay if you want to go slow. But if you want to get there at a reasonably slow pace, you know, you got to really stay consistent. And if I'm just riding that line, never making it miserable, but never quite making it stupid easy either, right? you got to feel like you're doing something. Like, you should be aware that you are making changes to your life consciously. Like you should be able to sit down and write a list of the things that you're doing at any given moment. It could be a little list of just two or three things or maybe five or six, but you should not be writing like, yeah, in the last two weeks, I've made these 25 changes. That's too damn many, all right? Way slower. So that's the other uh, way you make this the last time. You go slow, (laughs) slow. (laughs) However slow you think you should go, go slower. Seriously, slow. I've had some people recently like, Chris, is it, is it possible to go too slow? No. As long as you're not going up, you're winning. If you're, because think about it. Your past pattern has been year over year over year. You end each year weighing more than you began the year. That has been your pattern. So if you end the year even two pounds less than you started, that is a gigantic victory because your old pattern, you should be 20 pounds heavier. That gets a huge victory. So no, you cannot go too slow as long as you're not going up in weight. If you're maintaining your weight, brilliant. You need to learn how to master it. If you want to master it first before you lose weight, I'm not going to be mad at you for that. Not one bit. Stop gaining weight. So go slow. That's how you make it the last time. You go really, really slow, and you stay out of the misery zone. Stay out of there. You can Touch it every now and then if you want to do a little push. But you should not expect to stay there for more than a few weeks at a time. Thank you for that great question, Elizabeth. And this third question, the last question for this week's podcast, from Sherry Goodwin. Now, all three of these did come from the Why is the Way workshop Facebook group that I did. I had a post with about 100 questions, and I didn't get to most of them. So, as I said, we're answering them all here, and I'll be chipping away from them here in the... Uh, here in the podcast. So Sherry also asked it there. How to stay focused on myself when you have always put family first? Hmm. How do I stay focused on myself when I have in the past always put family first? Okay. This is an easy one to define the solution, but not going to be quite so easy in practice. So before I give the solution, tell you how to Practice it, let me let's talk a little bit about humans. If you are somebody that had all has always been selfless to a fault, like I like really, really selfless to the to the when I say to a fault, I mean to your own detriment, to your, to, to your own decline of health. That is to a fault, when you are being so selfless that you are harming yourself by neglecting yourself. If you start to prioritize yourself, it is going to feel morally wrong to you because for you to have found yourself a place where you sacrifice yourself to a fault and to take care of others to a fault, you're going to be so outwardly focused, you will have had to have convinced your brain that it would be wrong to be inwardly focused. That is going to be a common thing that an individual would do. Course exceptions, but that would be a common way. And so, when you begin, this individual that has never placed themselves first, when this individual places themselves first, they will feel something that feels very, very selfish because this is very out of alignment with the previously held self-image. Because if you're if you are someone that has always put family first, you do that because that is in alignment with your self-image. You are more than likely someone, Sherry, that has said something to the effect of I'm the kind of person who puts my family first. You may not have said that phrase, but certainly you have communicated things that have said that message. I know that because this question alone, you did that, and I doubt this is the only time you've ever spoken it, said it, or thought it. This is probably not the first. So you've already identified that this is a thing. However, here's the thing I love about your question, is you're acknowledging That you need to do something different. The question implies that always putting family first is not something you should be doing. And I completely agree with you. So, all right, now we've talked a little bit about get that out of the way. Let's talk about the philosophy update you need to make. Because that's really the thing you need here. Is you need a personal principle and philosophy update in your head. And personal principles and philosophies, these are those. Those values and filters that you run information through in making decisions on how you're going to conduct yourself or how you're going to do handle things in life. And in this case, here's your update. Your needs are no more important than anyone in your family. However, your needs are also no less important than anyone in your family. It's important that you Not put your family up on a pedestal above you and instead put you and your family on the pedestal. You can put your family on a pedestal, but you better be on there even with them. Now, especially as the parent, if you're doing with your children, you have to remember your job is to be the parent. Yes, I know there's more that goes with it, but there is a dynamic here. You're in charge. Like you're in charge. And it is your job to demonstrate to your children how to take care of yourself, because what you do speaks so loudly, they'll never hear what you're saying. And so if you don't prioritize yourself, you are teaching your children that they should not prioritize themselves when they have a family. They should prioritize their family. That is what you're teaching them, because you're going to teach them by your actions. And so update these, make those couple of updates in your head, that if you that you must put yourself even with everybody else and also make the update of associating pain with never putting yourself first. It is, you are, gonna, you are going to harm your children by never taking care of yourself in front of them and watching you do it because they're going to emulate you when they get older. They won't even know they're going to do it. Think about it. How many of us walking around going, holy shit, I sound like my mom. I sound like my dad. Wow, I just said that. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, I'm so just like my dad. I'm so just like my mom. You you hear it all the time. Why? Because we don't even try. We just become like them. Because when we find ourselves in a situation that we don't know how to handle, and we don't know what we do, what to do, You you know what we actually do? We look to our past and see if we have seen anybody else solve this problem so that we can emulate their solution. And in many cases, the only sample they have with how to handle themselves in a family is you. You probably only had your parents. Maybe an aunt or uncle. And you just mimic what they did, even if you don't understand it. Let me tell you a perfect example of this: a story of her we're talking about how these beliefs get passed down. There was this uh, there was this lady, she was gonna cook her. Crock, she has a, a a big roast she does and she always cut the last little bit off of it the end of it off and she put it in the crock pot and then one day she was uh, a friend was over and it's like why do you do that and she goes it makes it, it makes it taste better she's like it does why she goes i don't know my grandmother just always did it and when she was teaching me how to make make the roast we always cut the last 2 in, 2 inches or so off of it and, and cooked it that way. And she would also sear it and everything. And It just makes it taste better. So I, I want my roast taste as good, so I always do it too. It's like, but that doesn't make sense. You, you don't have to cut the two ends off. It'll still taste the same. She's like, no, I'm telling you. We always do it. And it always tastes better. And her friend's like, nah. I, why don't you call your grandma? Can you FaceTime your grandma? And you're like, come on. Like, come on, FaceTime grandma, fine. So you pull up your phone, you FaceTime grandma, and you're like, hey, grandma, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. So uh, question, yeah? You know when you were teaching me how to do the roast? Uh-huh. You know you showed me to cut the, the last two ends off of, the last two inches or so off of it before we put it in the crock pot? I was like, yeah. So it's like, why do you do that? My, I've been telling my friend it's it makes it taste better, and my friend is here telling me that It does not make it taste better. Can you explain to her why it makes it taste better? And the grandma just sits there and she just starts laughing and just, she's like, oh, honey, honey, it wouldn't fit in my crock pot. So I had to cut it so that it would fit in the crock pot. He's like, that's it? Yeah, you can leave it on. It just didn't fit in my crock pot. You hear how that works, that story? Sometimes we just do a thing that we saw someone in a previous generation do, and we don't have a fucking clue why they did it. We just made up some story and told ourselves that that was the truth. And we don't actually know. That's why I love that quote from Orson Scott Card. We question all our beliefs, except for those we truly believe and those we never think to question. In the example of this funny story of the, you know, cooking the roast, why would you think to question this? Your grandmother always did it. You never had a reason to doubt it. It always came out amazing. So you're just going to mimic everything she does. You didn't know that your crock pot being a little bit bigger made it where you didn't need to worry about that. And so sometimes you, some of us pick up the, the cue that we should always put our family first because your parents did it. Just because your parents did it, that doesn't make it a good idea. There's a lot of things my parents did that I will not be copying because it was just the wrong thing. That's not a cut against my parents. They taught me so many things that were great, but they're just like me. They're flawed people. They got it wrong. I hope that My stepkids will learn from me and then when they get older, they will look to the things that go, Chris did a lot of things good, but this shit, I will not do that. That was the wrong answer. I would love nothing more than for them to learn from my mistakes, to let my mistakes be an example, a lesson for them that they could carry forward and be like, don't make my mistake. And so just because your parents did, it doesn't mean it was right. And so when you If you have always put your family first and never letting yourself come first, it's going to feel wrong when you do it. But you got to do it. You must. You must teach your family how to do it. And you may not know how. And that's okay. You'll learn. It's a reps thing. I promise. You can do it. It's not that hard. You get kind of hooked on putting yourself first every now and then once you get a taste for it. And you just start realizing, wait a minute, my family actually will support me. All I've got to do is ask. I've been assuming I can't put myself first and the only reason is because I just haven't been asking. So the way you do it is you ask and you communicate with those in your life. If you're working on a weight loss journey, make no mistake about it. It is going to affect the people that live in your home. They're going to notice. You should be communicating about it when it's appropriate to do so. As an example, if you're going to—well, here we go. I just heard this story recently. If the only way you connect with your significant other is via TV, like the only way you can spend time together is watching TV shows, well, on your lifestyle change journey, you're going to realize at a certain point that you can't be thin and just sit around and only watch TV. Like you need to do other things. Not all the time, but sometimes sometimes. And that's going to require pulling away from the television. And if your spouse is unwilling to pull away from the television, that means you're going to be going off by yourself. You need to talk about this. And you need to let your significant other know, I want to spend time with you, but I need to do things other than the TV. I'm happy to also do the TV. I just want more variety in my life. Can we find some other things that we both can do but that I'm going to specifically request that some of them involve moving, like just walking even. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. I would like to maybe find the occasional thing that involves maybe some more intense movement, like a hike or something. Again, you come up with whatever you want to come up with. But that is solved through communication. And that is the other way you stay focused on yourself when you've always put your family first, is you just talk about it. Like I'm glad you're here asking me in the Facebook group, but honestly, the persons you should be talking to about this is those in your family. You should be asking them. You should be telling them, I've been feeling like I've been neglecting myself for a long time. Some of you might even find that your kids might be like, we know. You'll be surprised how many people around you are gonna be like, we know, we've been waiting for you to know. That will be the case for some of you. But for others, they'll be like, oh my gosh, we didn't even know, we thought you were doing fine. Because you were never saying anything. So they always just assumed you were good. And we've made it too stigmatized to look at a person's declining health or look at a person's weight and not go, hey, maybe this is a symptom of something that has nothing to do with health, like you're sorry, with the food. And maybe it's something, you know, lifestyle related, mental health related, and sometimes never taking care of yourself because you're always taking care of others is detrimental to your mental health. And it's fine if you want to choose that path. That's fine. But if you don't, that's also fine. Both choices are okay. Great question, Sherry. Thank you so much for asking that one. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here and the podcast. Thanks so much for being a loyal listener of the podcast. If you are interested in working with me and getting help on your weight loss journey, I would love to invite you to come join my group coaching program. I call it the Guild of Champions. You can find a link to that by going to theguildofchampions.com. And I've got a video there that'll explain all about what it is. You can find out more about how it works. But it is an incredible community of other weight loss warriors. We've got many hundreds of people in there that have just joined us. And I would love to have you come join us on your quest as we're all working together to help each other make it to the end of the weight loss journey. Because you see, there in the guild, it's not necessarily about helping you do it faster. I'm pretty upfront about that with people. In fact, last night's new member meeting, I literally told all 100 new members last night. I said, I am not here to help you lose it fast. That's not my job. My job is to teach you how to lose it forever, and we need it. And to do that, it requires you losing it slow. I'm not going to rob you of the slowness of the journey because the slowness isn't a bad thing; it's a feature. It's something that's supposed to happen, and so I'm going to help you do that. And the guild will help get you there. So if you need that help, if you need that next level support, go ahead and go to theguildofchampions.com, and I'd love to see you in the guild. Have a great week. See you next week on the Chris Terrell Podcast.